surely one of the joys of parenting is to see your kids grow and develop and learn, to learn those lessons about life that you're trying to teach them as they mature. But the funny thing is how often our kids actually end up teaching us. And that can be true even when your child is just a baby. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's fantastic to have you with us for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. And yes, I am Kent Kingston, and with me on the phone, or on on Skype, from Melbourne, the city of my birth, is Maritza Brunt, one of our science authors. How are you, Maritza? I'm well. I like that you introduced Melbourne as the city of my birth. I would I would have gone with the city of lockdown at the moment, or the city of doom right now. <laughs> Something a bit more pessimistic right now, but no, we're, we're, we're in lockdown, but we're trying to stay positive, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I'm why, doing well. Why not? To answer why your not? question in a roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good to hear that that you're doing well. Now, Maritza, you were just last year working with us here in Sydney at Adventist Media. I was, which was fantastic. Great to have you as a co-worker. But then a little something happened, and suddenly you declared to the world that you were going to have a baby. So. <laughs> I mean, tell us, I guess in, in some ways it's like, well, hey, pff, this is a universal, you know, each one of us was a baby at one point. Each one of us had a mum who was like, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. But nevertheless, mm. even though it's such a, a common human experience, it seems that for for every, you know, woman who discovers she's pregnant, it's it's like it's the first time and this has never happened to anyone else. And oh my goodness, you know, my world just changed. So was that the case for you? Yeah, it's definitely monumental. It's something that I think the first time you find out that you're pregnant, it's just like, oh my goodness. And you know that there are so many millions of women who have gone through it before you, but this is the first time you're actually doing it for yourself. And I found especially that there was no amount of books I could read or articles I could read. There were mums that gave me their experiences both on pregnancy, birth, and then motherhood. But they were all helpful, don't get me wrong, but I feel like you have to live through it yourself to be like, okay, this is what it's like. And it's it's something that you don't ever stop learning. You don't ever stop, I guess, yeah, it's, it's a journey. Sure. And the pregnancy for me was a bit difficult. I don't know whether you remember, Kent, that I, I think I was absent more from work than I actually, I, I hardly worked that year. I was just off sick. And then I ended up in hospital at 23 weeks with preterm labor. I don't know if you remember that, but. It's all coming back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It scarred me. And so that was my pregnancy experience anyway. So it was a bit more hectic than I was anticipating. And I think that was kind of like a foreboding of what motherhood would be like as well, in a sense. Total disruption. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in, in, in the midst of all the, the medical issues that, that you were going through, did you have time to reflect on, you know, oh my goodness, like what, what does this mean in terms of, you know, your identity and what's important in life and, and what you were expecting, you know, as the, the day drew nigh? 
Yeah, I think I didn't really have that time to process until I went on maternity leave. So I was not planning on going on maternity leave until about two weeks prior to Naomi being born. But because of all the medical issues, I really didn't have a chance to even think, to even process anything until I decided to go on leave about a month and a bit before the baby was born under the recommendation of my doctors and midwives. And it was only then that I started to think about everything that had happened and everything that was just about to happen. And I only had like a month left. And that's when everything kind of hit me. And I thought, what kind of mother am I going to be? How am I going to still be my own person while looking after this little human? How is my relationship going to change? And there's all these questions that you can't really answer until the baby's born and you find yourself in the middle of it and you're like, okay, all right, well, this is the situation that I'm in and this is kind of what I need to do to roll with it and to, I guess, grow and evolve and change. And yeah, I didn't, I don't think I processed it as as much as I should have before the baby was born because it really kind of hit me like a truck <laughs> when when she was born, how how different it was to everything that I'd known previously. Yeah. So what what was it that surprised you? I mean, I mean obviously the giving birth itself would have been a bit of a shock, but mm-hmm. you know, we we're in mixed company here and I on the old, on the oldest of, of five kids and I spent my life my childhood listening to my mother recount awful details of birth. So I I don't need to I don't need to hear that all again. But once you are like holding that baby in your arms and thinking, you know, mm. oh my goodness, I am a mother, you know, we are parents, um, you, you and, and your husband, Dan, what, what was it that surprised you? Like, were there aspects of that that sort of came out of the blue that you never saw coming, despite, as you say, you know, all the warnings and all the stories? Yeah. So, I think the birth, I had done considerable research on that. And surprisingly enough, the birth, like the actual labor itself was not as difficult as I anticipated. Mm. So, I thought it would be the worst thing in the world. And it I don't think it was because I had read a lot about it and I knew, okay, if this happens, I just need to relax and go with it. If this happens, I need to relax and go with it. And a lot of women say, oh, you know, the, the labor has scarred me off having another child. That wasn't the case for me. Mm. And the first night, the first day, we were home six hours after I, I gave birth. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, it was it was really fast. I, I was fortunate and blessed enough to have a pretty uncomplicated labor. And so, we were home that night. And so, the first night, you know, it was really difficult and it was nothing like we'd been expecting, but we were kind of riding on all those emotions. My mum arrived the day after the baby was born and she stayed for two weeks Mm. to give us a hand. And then when she left, Dan's mum came and stayed for another two weeks to give us a hand. And so, I was processing all these postpartum emotions and everything. And Dan was also trying to find his role as a father and also going back to work. But we had a little bit of help. Mm. And I think for me, when it really hit, hit me was when his mum left and Dan had already gone back to work and it was just me and the baby. And that was something that completely changed for me because I thought I'm all alone. We we at the time didn't have any family close by where we were living. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had friends, but they were busy with their own lives. They had work and they had their own children to look after. And it was just this complete realization that I'm alone in this. And that's really, really, really hard to process, especially when you're trying to deal with losing your identity as as a person, losing a bunch of different things that you had before the baby was born, trying to look after this little human, trying to navigate 
your relationship with with your partner. It was just all these feelings and all these emotions, and that was definitely something that I hadn't prepared for. Mm. Yeah, it, it's really interesting you say that, uh, Maritza, because um, our sort of sister project here at Adventist Media is, uh, as you'd know, Mums at the Table. Yeah, and you know, there's a very very active Facebook group. So you know, if if you are you know listening and and you're a young mum out there and you you're wanting support, you're feeling some of those feelings mm-hmm. that Maritza's talking about. You know, oh my goodness, here I am. You know, first time mum. Where do I turn? What do I do? I feel so isolated and alone. There are a lot of women in that exact same situation who are reaching out for support on the yeah. Mums at the Table Facebook group. Absolutely. Th- and I will actually say that I did join that group before, just before I gave birth and I was part of another Mums group on Facebook and those two groups, both the Mums mm. at the Table one and the other due date group that I was in, helped me immensely. That Those were two things that helped me immensely because like you say, there were Mums going through exactly the same thing. Mm. And just being able to, even even if they couldn't solve your problems or take away, you know, just the hurt or just, you know, give you another two hours of sleep, it was someone that could empathize with you. And sure. that in those moments is, I think, priceless. It's just something that, that lifts you up when you need it. Yeah, I, I guess the thing that... that- is sort of interesting and quite revealing about that is that, you know, the the Mums at the Table Facebook group, for example, you know, is, you know, for mums of all ages, with kids of all ages and all stages of life, but it seems that mm-hmm. there's a real trend developing like time after time after time that it's the women who dominate in that group are the first-time mums who are like mm-hmm. freaking out and saying, ah, here I am, I've just had a baby, what do I do next? Because we have no idea what we're doing, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're dependent and we call upon the experiences of those mums that you know have had other kids and can reassure you oh it's all right you know your child not going to flush himself down the toilet you know kind of those things (laughs) so it's a really good place it's a really good network and community, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. c- c- I guess you know you, you give birth to the baby, and then you know you've you've read all the you know all the accounts of what okay the placenta's next, yep. And then wait a minute, where's the driver's manual? Is isn't that supposed to be included? And and apparently it's not. No, um, it's not. And <laughs> and the driver's manual that you, you think you have a driver's manual, but you're flipping through it, and the problem like this, if there's a problem with a car, for for example, imagine that there's a problem with a car, and it's not listed in. The manual, <laughs> and you're just like, anyway. well, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I think, yeah, those groups are a good place where you can just kind of put in your advice, and you'll sure. get the whole range of mums just, oh, okay, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, I'm not so alone in this after all. Yeah, that's that's, that's cool. So uh, Naomi, is it your your little girl, Naomi? Naomi, yeah, yeah, yep, she, she just turned one. Just turned one. Oh well, we yeah. wish her a happy birthday for us. I I, yeah. I see she's she's all over Instagram. You're um you're totally besotted. Yeah, I'm one of those mums. <laughs> I never thought I would be. Before I had kids, I looked at those mums that constantly post a photo of their photos of their kids online, and I was like, okay, here we go. And yet I'm I've become one of those mums, and I don't know what to say. I have I have I have no defence whatsoever. <laughs> I totally understand those mums now. You just yeah, you're just proud of your kids, and you just. You know, you just want to look at how cute my child is. Okay. So, uh, apart from you suddenly, you know, helping to trend that hashtag (laughs) mum life sort of phenomenon on Instagram, what what else have you learned about yourself like through this process? What what has been like revealed to you over, over this last year? Oh, wow. Where do I start? I think I've learned... Probably first and foremost that I don't have all the answers. 
And for someone that, uh, so I studied journalism and, you know, we're kind of taught to, you look into things and there is always an answer for everything if you investigate hard enough. Mm -hmm. And Naomi taught me the complete opposite. It doesn't matter how hard I search. Sometimes there are some things that I just will not be able to answer and I don't have the answer for. And I just need to rely on God. That's, Mm. That's really the biggest thing I've learned about myself. There is just some days where I just know that I don't have the energy and the strength to get me through another day. And on those days, the way I kind of simplify it for myself mm. is I imagine myself kind of like a power cord and God is like the main motherboard source kind of thing. And <laughs> right. I know that I need to just plug myself back into the source so that he can fill me with the power and the juice, I guess, that I need to get yep. through that day. Yeah. And if I'm not connected to him, I know that I'm I'm not going to have a really good day. So that in, in the most simplest terms is how I look at it because sometimes as mums, we're just – we're tired and we have so much going on. And yeah. so, I, with that imagery, it's just, it's simple. I just visualize myself just plugging back in and okay, that's it. You know, I'm plugged back into God and I know that, you know, he can get me through the day. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned over the past year. Yeah. Wow. Now, Maritza, you've written a great article for us in the September edition of Science of the Times. Thank you for that. That's all right. Just another lesson I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, the, the article has the intriguing title, uh, A Baby, A Spoon, and A Lesson in Letting Go. So, obviously, you know, as you say, yes. Naomi's one now. So, sometime in the last um, several months, you've graduated to solid food, or she has, and and this, in, this involves spoons and feeding the baby and little hands grasping. Like, how's that been working out? We, we have a, a classic picture in the magazine of, uh, I think it's avocado or, or mushed up spinach <laughs> all over a baby's face. Not, not, not your baby's sadly but <laughs> but yeah this hey, is baby. It, it it can get messy so yeah how's it, how's, yeah. how's the solid food experience been going it's been going well we're currently in a bit of a fussy phase at the moment oh, so yeah. Again, this is this is parenthood where you 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 nut out one problem and you you overcome a challenge and you're just like oh you know everything's good now and then bam you know new challenge <laughs> and so the solid feeding has been going really well she really likes her food there are certain foods that she's not a super fan of avocado surprisingly you mentioned that is actually one of them she's not really keen on avocado which Amazing. means she'll be able to afford a, a house deposit because she won't be one of those you know <laughs> teens that like smashed avo and everything which is great I like but it. it's it's been going well she gets really messy Yep. She has not mastered putting a spoon in her mouth. She is in that stage where she she wants to grab the spoon out of my hand and do it herself. Yeah. But she doesn't really know how to do it herself. And yeah. so we try and help her, but no, she doesn't want our help. She wants to do it herself. Your mum was there one day and she had this stroke of genius that uh, when you described it in, in the article, I thought, yes, that that is it. That is experience. So d- yeah. d- tell us about that. Yeah. So basically this was when we were first starting our, our, our journey and she... <sighs> she just wanted to hold something in her hands. Mm-hmm. And so well, she, she did, was did, constantly- Didn't she see it grabbing at the spoon that you were trying to feed her with? She would be grabbing at the spoon. Now she tries to grab at the spoon and feed herself. Back mm-hmm. then she wasn't really interested in feeding herself. She just wanted something to hold, I think. Oh, right. So now, in again, lesson, we've combated that now by giving her a book on her high chair uh-huh. tray because she, she loves books. Well, a, a book you can wipe down, I hope. Oh, yeah, they're all board books. Oh, there's no way I would give her a, a, a soft cover book. There's there's no way. Yeah. 
Anyway, and so back when we were first starting our solids journey, she, she just wanted to hold something. And so I didn't I didn't cotton on to that fact fast enough. And so she'd constantly be trying to grab the spoon out of my hand. And so my mother, in all of her infinite wisdom, one day just gave Naomi a spoon in one hand and that's it. She was happy. She was uh -huh. more than happy just to hold a spoon and that meant that I could spoon the puree into her mouth. The solution uh, of the second spoon. There are plenty exactly. of spoons in the drawer. Make use of them. I'll, exactly. I'll and really eventually like when she tried to grab the other spoon, we just gave her a spoon for each hand. Mm -hmm. And that meant her hands were occupied. She could bang them together. She could bang them on her high chair and I could feed her in peace. Yeah, yeah. It was all good. Yeah. It, well, well it, it was all good until it came to the yogurt, uh, apparently. Yes. And, and, and this is where things got co complicated. <laughs> this is where things got complicated again because I thought, okay, she's old enough to kind of maybe hold the yogurt pouch or the fruit pouch. Sometimes fruit comes in pouches. Mm -hmm. And so oh, one day I gave her the, the pouch and I kind of squeezed it from the bottom and she kind of got the concept of how it worked but she would not let go of her spoons in her hand to grab onto this yogurt pouch she she tried to grab onto the yogurt pouch but she had her spoons in her hand and I feel like as adults we could kind of maybe if we're holding something you kind of maneuver it mm. but for a baby that's just learning all these new things her coordination was not great and so mm. she could not pick up the pouch and hold it to, to suck the, the yogurt out so, so, and so, hold on to her spoon. So, so, why not just take the spoon out of her hand and give her the yogurt pouch instead? I mean, that's the obvious solution, See, I tried. It? I yeah. tried to do that, but she just cried and cried and cried. And you took my spoon away. That's my special spoon. You took my spoon away. And it, right, I just okay. got so frustrated. <laughs> and I was like, Naomi, I'm taking your spoon away because you need to have your yogurt and you you love yogurt. Like, you, she didn't understand that I was taking her spoon away so she could have something better. Mm -hmm. All she saw was that I was taking her beloved spoon away. And the minute I gave it back to her, you know, all the tears stopped. But again, she couldn't get the yogurt into her mouth. And I was like, well, <laughs> this isn't working. And it was just so frustrating. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was a process. Yeah. It was a process. You've, you, you've sorted that out now, I, I assume. We have well sorted that out. As soon as she sees the yogurt pouch coming or the fruit pouch coming, she just drops everything and she just grabs on with both hands and, and right. that's how she gets her, her yogurt. Actually, now, now that she's one year old, she can hold the yogurt pouch with one hand now and use the other hand with to do whatever she wants, <laughs> usually open and flip her book. But back then... Uh, yeah, coordination wasn't great. <laughs> now, what, what's what, what's interesting, Maritza, is that in, in the middle of, of all this, the great yogurt debacle, you, mm. you had time to have some fairly deep spiritual thoughts uh, and you, you could actually see yourself in uh, in your daughter's behavior in terms of, don't want to let my spoon go, but I want the yogurt, I want everything, but uh, I don't, I don't want to let go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it came when I was telling my, my husband had just gotten home from work and I was retelling the yogurt tale to him and I was again, increasingly frustrated because I was like, why doesn't she just understand that if she just lets this go, you know, she'll be able to hold her yogurt. And then I was, I was talking to my husband and like, it just hit me that I do exactly the same thing in my spiritual life. Yeah. So, there will be times where I'm holding on to something and the Lord is, you know, obviously saying, I've got something better for you. And I'm like, oh yeah, but I don't want to let it go. You know, I don't want to mm. hold, let go of whatever I'm holding on to. Can, can, um, can you give some specific examples of what sort of thing you, like you feel God might be asking you to let go and what he wants you to accept instead, just so we can sort of put some flesh on the bones of, of that concept? 
Yeah, sure. So I think for me, it's been experiences sometimes. So there'll be not experiences, but how do I, how do I put this? Maybe emotions or feelings. Mm-hmm. So there'll be an emotion that I'm holding on to and I know that it's probably not the best. And even just this year, there, there was a specific example. I won't, I won't go into too much detail, but there was a specific example where I knew that the Lord was asking me to forgive someone. Mm-hmm. So, and so, I knew. So, in, in that case, it was the grudge you were holding on to. This, this was, was your, this was your metaphorical spoon. This grudge, yeah. This grudge was definitely a metaphorical spoon for me, and it was a big spoon too. And I knew that, like. I knew the feelings of peace. I knew that there was something better, but I just, I didn't want to let go. You know, in a strange way, I felt that I couldn't let go, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, you know, God was was saying, you, all you need to do is just let go of this and and you'll get something so much better, which is peace, which is just this, I guess, calmness. Mm. And, 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 um, and possibly even reconciliation with, with that person at some point reconciliation all the good stuff all mm. the good stuff and yet i was like oh really do i have to <laughs> and i feel like that's maybe a lot of us as christians that we we're holding on to something and we don't want to let things go whether mm. it's material things there are there are some of us that really really prize material values yeah and so the i think the example that i gave in the article was the example in luke Mm. where jesus is is calling his disciples and the bible says like really clearly that he called his disciples to leave everything to follow him Mm. and and by everything that means to to leave their livelihood, to leave their families, to leave their home. I mean, Jesus was a a wandering rabbi basically, and and he didn't have a, a permanent home, you know, at, at that stage in his life. So to follow Jesus at that point for for those guys was to basically embark on a life of semi-homelessness really just knowing that you know you're going to be crashing on different people's couches we're going to be wandering around talking to different people and yeah that is that's a massive sacrifice that's a massive change it's huge and that's what instantly that's the that's the story that's the biblical story that instantly came to my mind when i was thinking about naomi and the spoon that i don't think i mean the bible doesn't tell us but i'm pretty sure that the disciples weren't like oh really lord can i bring my boat with us you know mm-hmm. or they didn't say oh yeah let me just go grab my guitar kind of thing you know i can't leave that behind no the bible says that they left everything and followed and followed him including we don't know but i presume their jobs mm. maybe sometimes even their families if they were traveling around and i was thinking about that and i was i was like that's a challenge for me could mm. i could i leave those things that I hold dear? Could I let go of the emotions that I've been holding on to? Could I let go of things that I hold close to my heart mm-hmm. if I wanted to follow Christ? And that that for me is is a huge challenge. I don't think I'm there yet personally, but it's definitely something where I was like, wow, okay, this is something that I need to I need to work on and I need to yeah, focus more on, definitely. Mm, mm. Are there uh, perhaps, you know, mature Christians in your life or, you know, people who you've, who, who you admire, who you have seen sort of letting go and, and somehow, you know, becoming richer for it? No specific examples come to mind in terms of like this person that I know has left this and has instantly, you know, become richer in in spirit kind of thing. But I will say that I know that my parents and grandparents and their grandparents and for generations, they've always tithed. 
so that means you know giving back 10% of what they earn yeah. to the church yeah and to god and that's a, that's a, a biblical principle i think in the bible it's it's stated that we we give 10% that's the concept of tithe yeah and there were times where i know that it was tough times were financially a bit tight and yet every single time they took a step out in faith and said, no, you know what? Even though things are a little bit tight at the moment, they still gave back to the Lord and they were blessed for it. Yeah, You know, it wasn't so much of, oh, you gave back, all right, here's a car, but Mm. they never went without. They always had what they needed and sometimes even more than what they needed. So, that for me is an example of, of a way in which I think they had the faith to say, all right, I'm going to completely trust you, God, and I'm going to completely just let go, really. Mm-hmm. And that's a way in which they were they were blessed. So that for me has been a great example, and I I can hope I I can only hope that I'll be able to continue doing that as well with my family. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I guess I I know that for me, you know, historically one of my biggest struggles has been letting go. I guess a, a sense of my right to be in charge of my own life, because if, mm. if when you you know if if you do decide to to follow God, what you are essentially saying to God is, I want you to be in charge of my life. I trust that you actually know what's good for me even better than I do. So therefore, I'm going to hand over my will to a certain extent. I'm you know I'm going to hand over my my choices. I'm going to hand over my definition of what's right and wrong and what feels good and doesn't feel good. To, to what you want. That's a big, big letting go, isn't it? That's a, And it's scary as well. You're absolutely right. It, it's, it can be scary at times to completely hand over control to somebody else who could at any time say, actually, I know that you think that you need this, but you don't. And I promise you that I have something better for you, even mm. if you can't see that right now. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what Naomi was going through. It definitely, I don't think, was a spiritual encounter for her. It was more of a, (laughs) I don't understand this. But that I don't understand is often what we say to God as well. It's, I don't understand, God, why you're doing this right now. And God sometimes says to us, well, hang on, I've got something better for you. I've got something better in store for you. You just need to trust and let go. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd I'd like to say this, you know, to to our listeners. If if you're listening out there, if you're thinking, well, I'm I'm not really a person of faith. It's it's something that I'm I'm interested in finding out more about. I'd like to recommend to you a, a free online. They don't like calling them courses because they're not academic. They're more sort of a study that you know that helps you explore you know various issues, you know, health and lifestyle and parenting. But there's a, a great little uh, unit or, or set of modules here called Teach Me to Pray, and this does deal with some of the issues that we're talking about. You know, one of the modules is entitled Your Way or Mine. You know, God has given us the freedom of choice the power to choose or to make a decision, but then we have to, you know, decide what role is God going to have in that. So, yeah, it's called Teach Me to Pray, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it goes through a great sort of practical suggestions about getting to know God, getting closer to God, learning how to communicate with God. So, yeah, if you're interested in checking that out, go to hopechannel.com, that's H-O-P-E channel.com and yeah, just search pray or teach me to pray at that website. You'll, you'll find it. It's a free study series for you to go through and uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. Hey, thanks so much Maritza Brunt for helping us out this week, uh, for sharing your story, for having a baby just so that, you know, <laughs> signs radio listeners could, you know, could be educated and, and, uh, right. and entertained. I'll have another one if it means signs radio <laughs> listeners can be educated. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, there we go. The sequel. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Kent. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Have a fantastic week, Maritza. Thank you. You too. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit scienceofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.